welcome back to the Throw It In Rotation podcast. What a wild two weeks it's been in the NFL so far. Who thought at this point the passing yards leader would be Tua Wentz and Joe Flacco? We've had insane comeback wins this past Sunday. The Giants are 2-0. What is going on? Uh, today on the show, we've got just just Ashley. There's no Reese today. He, can't, he couldn't make it. Ash, I want to ask you to start the show. What surprised you most about week two? Mm, you were spot on there, really. To uh, two incredible weeks of football to mm. really get us going. Let's you, go. You love to see it. Obviously, there's so many talking points, but what I was surprised, I was actually surprised um, that the Lions were able to dispatch the Commanders mm. so easily. Um, I think we both thought the Commanders would would win prior. Um, and yeah, but you know, the Lions look like the real deal this year. Yeah, they got some real grit. Uh, did, did you watch Hard Knocks, Ash? No, I did not, actually. Mm, absolutely get on that. It's so entertaining, and you can see why a lot of teams, are, a lot of fans would be following the Lions this year, and uh, they've uh, had two impressive performances uh, through two weeks. Definitely. You look at their week one performance, and um, uh, maybe it wasn't uh, talked about too much, but the Eagles have shown themselves to be a, a real top talent in the, in the NFC, so... Coming within three points, scoring 35 points against that defence is impressive. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of... I, obviously, they battled well against the Eagles, but I just thought, oh, the Eagles, you know, they've got quality, they're going to win games. I thought the Eagles would just be the Eagles, but beating the Vikings as well, they sort of look the real deal this year. And, you know, I've also heard a few things about from the Dan Campbell and that I quite like. The sort of philosophy in that, so um, yeah, you'll watch yeah, it. The Hard Knocks is a Dan Campbell show. You should definitely check it out. Uh, at least some of the um, some yeah, of I've the, probably seen like bits of that, yeah. and, which is why I like him a bit. <laughs> uh, right, we'll move it on to what we're doing today, and we are going to talk about some of that week two craziness, the three massive comebacks, um, the Jets, the Cardinals. And the Miami Dolphins. We're also going to recap the Buccaneers game. Probably not in the same standard, but uh, I wanted to squeeze it in there because I found it such a fascinating game, and it is a it was a massive result in that in that whole NFC conference. Uh, but first of all, we will be talking about uh, we'll be having a way too early MVP discussion. We'll be talking about a couple of long shots. Obviously, it, it only ever goes um, to offensive players. It's been. It's gone to a running back or a quarterback every year since 1986. But we're going to give wow. a couple of uh, a couple of ones we fancy, a couple of QBs we fancy, and then maybe a couple of longer shots as well. So we'll get we'll get right into that then, shall we, Ashley? Who who do you fancy for MVP after just two weeks of the season? Yeah, there's obviously some clear favourites, but I'm going to go for perhaps a bit more of a less likely one. Yeah, now obviously um, we got both. um you got Josh Allen who's going to be what everyone mm. says right now, and you know neither of us are going to be shocked if that happens towards the end of the season, and Mahomes as well. So um, we didn't want to go down the obvious route and say the the two obvious ones. So so go ahead, who you got? Yeah, we're we're going to go for Justin Herbert though. Um, oh, I think yeah. that's still quite a pretty obvious one, but maybe a little less likely. But, you know, he, he's shown his elite ability once again to start the season. You know, they suffered a narrow loss to the Chiefs uh, last Thursday. Um, and if you watch that, you could see how he, he fought through the pain. He, he took some big hits and uh, mm, he's, he's still been he's still been suffering uh, with a rib fracture. Uh, he's uh, day-to-day on whether he'll play week three against the Jags. 
Um, but some of the passes that he was still making uh, yeah, deep ridiculous. into that fourth quarter to keep to keep the the charges in the game it was unbelievable and i think that's just a testament to his character and the sort of person and the player he is you know i, I don't think you look at the draft class um, where he came in he wasn't necessarily the the one that people thought was going to hit the ground running but mm. that's what he's done and he he's gone from strength to strength and uh, the charges keep improving um and you know they 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 really took it close against the chiefs so I think this the season could be the one where they actually have a good record and make the playoffs because all of the hype that they've got, you know, they they haven't, you know, they haven't made the playoffs in the last in recent history. But you know, I think you know Justin Herbert is the man in that offense. I think they could get away with resting him against the Jags, perhaps. Um, but you know, he he's clearly the guy. Um, you know, six touchdowns and only one INT after two games. Mm. And if you didn't see, you need to go back and watch his completions late on in that fourth quarter. Uh, there was one to DeAndre Carter and uh, a, a touchdown pass to Josh, Joshua Palmer deep in the, uh, the quarter to keep the game alive. Obviously, it's going to be hard for him to beat, you know, the likes of Josh Allen and Mahomes, as we said earlier. But, you know, if he can lead the Chargers to the playoffs in a, an incredibly tough AFC West, then, you know, who knows? Yeah, I think there's no doubt whatsoever about his talent. He's definitely MVP caliber. He's shown that in in the two years that he's played so far. Insane rookie season, built upon it last year, and then he's had a a cracking start to this year. You hope the ribs are fine. It looks like he's going to play on uh, regardless. Uh, I I think you touched on it there. I think, as I say, his his talent is at the level. Uh, But as I mentioned at at the start of the segment, MVP voting is very predictable and it, it doesn't really happen if your team doesn't make the playoffs or or, or whatever if your team doesn't have a good season so I think uh, the um, I think his his charge for MVP is going to depend upon that offensive line who, who've had a decent start to the season and the team around him because the charges always find a way to to mess it up somehow but they've they've gone mm. they've gone all in this year you look at the players they've added Khalil Mack that the secondary is insane as well. They've got the defense there. They've got no excuses. Uh, so now it's it's time for them to do it as a whole team. And I, and I think if they do do it as a whole team, um, then Justin Herbert will be right up there in the MVP discussion for for the whole year. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, you just look at Rogers last year. You know, he probably got it ahead of the likes of Brady um, because they had the best record in in, in the NFC. Um, you know, as you said, it's goes to yeah, it's very yeah, predictable yeah. quite you know it's not the best selection choice no, but you know, yeah. interesting nonetheless i'll touch on that in a sec as well because like i say no only two defensive players have won it in uh in the history of the award obviously um quarterbacks are the most important players on your team but yeah i don't really like that so that's kind of what we're doing today explore some different options talk about different people uh i'll go on to to one of the more predictable options though and and my guy is uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, I, want, I just want to turn everyone's attention to this guy. He's one of the league's elite quarterbacks, one of just a handful. And I, I'm not sure he's held enough. Uh, he's widely held in a high enough regard. Obviously, everyone everyone rates him, but I'm not sure enough. Uh, I'll take you back to 2019. Entering his first full year as a starter, he became the first, uh, the youngest ever player in week one. Uh, in week one, he became the youngest ever player to earn a perfect passer rating and then five wow. months later he was voted um he became just the second person to be unanimously voted mvp the youngest quarterback that year to start the pro bowl 
they would lose in the in the playoffs in the divisional round to the Titans that year. But Lamar Jackson, not not before he could uh, come in and become the first ever player with 300 passing yards and 100 rush yards in a playoff game. That season was insane. It should have silenced anyone who doubted his ability to pass the ball. He had the most touchdown passes of anyone that year, passing grade of 85.3. And let me tell you, he's a much better player now. His ability to read defences and his ability through the air has improved since then. And he's well, I, I think that might be his downfall, though, that he had such a good start early on because the seasons after, I know he's had injuries in that, and okay, he may look a good player on the surface, but a lot of people will look at sort of statistics, you know, fantasy football. He, he's not done as well in fantasy, so his sort of general consensus on him goes down because of that huge year at the start. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. But I think he was still playing at an elite level in in twenty twenty and. Last year, uh, I think the Ravens had a ridiculous amount of injuries, like a historic level of injuries on that offensive line uh, and obviously to Lamar Jackson himself. So I think you've got, you got to throw that out a little bit. He had a period of yeah, games. Yeah, you do, but I think that's why, you know, why yeah, yeah, there has definitely. been sort of... You, said, you, you know, you said at the start you think he probably a little underrated and that, that is probably why when you set the standards that high at the start, if you drop below, people are yeah. going to question it, whether that's right or wrong or not. Yeah, they definitely. just are. Uh, and he's twelve to one for MVP right now. That that's a bigger price than Jalen Hurts, similar to Tua. Uh, and I was looking at them, some preseason quarterback rankings as well from the NFL, from CBS, etc. They all had him lower than six, um, lower than, than Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford, Joe Burrow. Obviously, that's easy to say now that with the the starts of the season they've had. But I I don't mm. think he's I think he's still that MVP level player. He did have a level uh, a period of difficulty against the blitz where he struggled picking up blitzes etc last year but this season I think he's proven to me that he is still at that 2019 MVP level he's completely healthy he's been insane through the air and through the ground and he actually has the most yards in the NFL against the blitz this year so I think he's always improving he's hungry to get a, a massive contract and every time he plays like he did against the Dolphins which we'll touch upon later then that's just going to add a, add a few million onto it that's insane he already has more play action touchdowns this year than he did last year i think we're in for a big bounce back lamar jackson year and, and there's mm. no reason that that he shouldn't be a top tier mvp candidate we yeah, obviously with the amount he rushes um there's all he's always going to be susceptible to more injuries i suppose um so if he can stay healthy and the ravens do perform well then yeah he, he's definitely of the caliber and he's, he's such a smart runner as well like he doesn't take he never takes big hits so he, he was injured last year that was his first real struggle with injury in the nfl and, and the ravens are so beat up in general like, i think you just i think you have to chuck out that year completely uh, and that for me there's no reason that that 79 yard touchdown he had against the dolphins he's just so insane he's done mm. it so many times he um he actually became the the record setter against the Dolphins for the for the most amount of hundred yard rush games by a quarterback in the NFL, uh, and like he's still only twenty five. He's done all of this, broken all these records. He's still only twenty five. He's not slowing yeah, down well. as a runner anytime soon. He's getting better as a passer. I think uh, like the Ravens might have uh, a wide receiver call that's more suited to him now. I think that uh, the Ravens and Lamar are in for a for a big bounce back year. Mm, for sure, for sure. All right, all right. Who are you going to surprise us with with a, with a long shot for MVP? Well, I had a couple of names in mind. and uh, 
as you alluded to earlier, I, I wanted to give the defense a bit more, a bit more love. Mm-hmm. Um, and my first initial thoughts when I looked at that was Von Miller. Um, I, you know, he, he's a veteran now, but he's so he's been playing so well. You know, in that Bills defense, ninety one point nine PFF grade after two games, and been great across the board in terms of run D, pass rush, and coverage. Eighty four point two run D grade. 87 pass rush grade, 75.7 coverage grade. But, you know, due to his age, I don't think we're going to see the share of snaps yeah. for him to be able to be of consideration. So my actual um, MVP candidate, obviously a long shot, is going to be Max Crosby. Wow, the, the old switcheroo. Wow, I'll, I'll rate that. Tell us about Max. Well, he's he's played the most snaps out of the edge defenders so far this season, wow. and he's plays a massive role on on the, the weak Raiders D. Definitely, um, the team has only had one sack so far this season, but obviously it was Max Crosby, and he's had an overall defensive PFF grade of ninety point five. Mm. And again, good across the board, run D, pass rush, coverage, all good, very good, very good grades. He's only twenty five, and he had a phenomenal last year with a ninety one point seven PFF grade. Um, and then look, we'll, we'll, I'll just touch on the last game against uh, the Cardinals as well. Yeah, um, he he sacked Carlo for the for the only sack of the game. He was head and shoulders above um, Chandler Jones, um, and you know he also recorded five pressures. And he, he's just a beast on the D line. Like he's a threat every game. Like he's always someone the QBs looking out mm-hmm. for. Like he, he you know you sort of that presence that aura around certain players, and I think he's got that. He's such a um, fun player to watch. Even if you're not looking out for him, like he's always having an impact on the game somehow. Like he is the Raiders' defense. Yeah, like, definitely. Uh, their, uh, their secondary did all right against the Cards, and uh, Rocky Singh uh, was, um, you know, he was decent. But um, he, he, Max Crosby's the main guy, and, and it's not just about sacks yeah. either. You know, he had uh, he totaled twelve pressures against the Cardinals, eight hurries, three QB hit. Oh no, that was after two games. Sorry. Uh, the total t- 12 pressures, 8 hurries, and 3 QB hits. And the Vegas have only had 16 pressures in total after week 2, so Crosby's accounted yeah, well. for 75% of them. Yeah. You know, he is the defense. He tormented the Chargers in week 1 as well, um, and had the highest PFF graded out of the whole team. You know, I, I feel like he, he is definitely, he is that defense, and if he keeps carrying on and the Raiders manage to turn it around, then obviously yeah. it's not going to happen, but I think he... He could. He's a. He's an underrated guy. Yeah, like, yeah. I in love the it. Whole in general. I love it. I absolutely love it as a shout. Obviously, you, you're getting massive, like a thousand to one or whatever. It's just not going to happen. But I, I love it as a shout. You would need someone to carry their team, and like you say, there's there's not much else that touches Crosby on that Raiders defense. Uh, so you you need them to you need them to carry him into the playoffs. You need him to get a ridiculous amount of sacks, like break the sack record or something. But um, uh, what you did say, I, I think to win MVP is for a defensive player, you'd have to excel in so many different areas. And that uh, that does bring me on to, to my guy. Uh, into his second season, obviously, like I said before, only running backs and QBs have won the award. So there, there's not many bigger long shots. But one of the uh, defensive players to have won it is Lawrence Taylor in 1986. So um, guess who Tony Romo compared Micah Parsons, who is my pick, to mm. in the game on Sunday, it was Lawrence Taylor. Um, so obviously it's happening. Uh, Michael <laughs> Parsons won unanimous uh, 
rookie of the defensive rookie of the year last year. He was a first team All Pro. He was absolutely insane. He was the tenth highest. Uh, he had the tenth highest defensive grade on, on PFF in his rookie year. Um, and what interests me the most about him, like I say, we need to win this award to to pull off this massive long shot. We we need someone who can do it all, who impacts the game, who kind of transcends their position, whatever. And Micah Parsons has an almost even snap, ca- uh, snap count on run defense, pass rush, and coverage plays. And there's basically no one in the NFL that does that as well. He, he gets lined up everywhere. He's so unique. Um, Josh has a linebacker, been on the edge more so. But he can impact the game from, from a number of different positions, a variety of different ways. Um, I think this guy is a really, really special player. Like you said, there's not too much else on that Cowboys Dean. Nothing that compares, especially in the pass rush. Um, so I, I think he could absolutely get a ridiculous amount of sacks. He got 13-14 last year, but then also have a few interceptions, have a few plays where he's mithering about the field, just making shit happen. His one weakness last year was a run defence. He, he had a grade of 61.4, but only through two games. But uh, he's in, improved that to 74.5 now. No one in the league has had more pressures or sacks. He is an elite pass rusher. Um the Buccaneers and the Bengals O lines have had their issues, but they're they're two they're they're two O lines that have had resources pumped into them, and, and two O lines you'd expect good things from this year. Um, he was been against Joe Mixon and, and Leonard Fournette this this year. I'm basically saying Micah Parsons is so legit. He might be the best defensive player in the league already. So I, I think if anyone can break the the offensive player favoritism, the offensive player bias, then uh, it would be Micah Parsons with a whole host of sacks. Yeah, I, I think that is definitely the most likely defensive candidate. Um, you know, as you said, everyone knows how good he is. Uh, last year, he was head and shoulders above, uh, especially as the defensive rookie. But if he, you know, it, it, there's no doubts really now how well he started this season. Yeah, you know, you're not, you know, as you said, he he's that everything on that on that Cowboys D, and when you're that influential across the board, then. You know, he's got to be in with a shout. Uh, I think Aaron Donald probably deserved to have won it like two or three times already. Yeah. If, if he can't do it with the amount of dominance that he has and the sacks that he had, it's going to have to be a defensive player who literally... Uh, I think it's going to have to be a numbers game, though, as you said. you know, yeah. uh, Looking at Aaron Donald, he's probably not got that many sacks, as no, many as you think. Yeah, yeah, um, You not know, it, it, it has to be... It will have to be a numbers game, you know. That's the only way uh, a defensive player is going to stand out ahead of a, a QB or, or running back, or you know, it's going to have to be because otherwise you're just going to go with the the QB uh, every time. But if you see someone who's got you know broken sack, uh, record breaking sacks, um, if they they've got a few interceptions as well, you know, that's going to get the headlines. Yeah. Um... I think that's what it's going to take. You're going to have to like break, have to break the sack record, and then also be insane in coverage and against the run as well. Um, so nice and easy for Marker Parsons. Uh, it's just going to be one of those elite QBs. Uh, either the two we talked about, Mahomes or Josh Allen, one of them is going to have an insane year, aren't they? Maybe even Tom Brady yeah. will turn. Um... Started just enough, <laughs> enough. Um... <laughs> Uh, Forget about Kyler Murray, mate. You see what oh, he did at the weekend. Mate, he he's going to carry us. He's going to carry us. 
be interested. I mean, he did carry on Sunday. We will get into exactly. that in a little bit. Um, <laughs> in fact, we'll get into that very shortly. We'll go for a little break now and be back with some week two drama analysis after the break. Hello and welcome back to the Throat in Rotation podcast. We're now excited to recap and analyse four insane games from the weekend, three ridiculous comebacks, as we touched upon earlier, as well as um, as me indulging myself and talking about this this fabulous Buccaneers win, ending their hoodoo over the Saints. But that's for a bit later. First of all, listen to this drop from the, the Dolphins' insane Tua Tungavaya-Lower-led comeback. Tunga- <laughs> Tua Tungavaya-Lower... <laughs> Tua Tungavaya lower led comeback against the Dolphins <laughs> against the Dolphins on Sunday. Well, if you've been living under a rock. You won't know, but the Dolphins turned a deficit of 35-14 into a 42-38 win. Uh, Tua had a career day, throwing 469 yards and six touchdowns. He showed his arm strength from, uh, you know, on, on his big plays for Waddle and Tyreek Hill. There was talks, does he have the arm to suit the likes of Hill with his speed? But mm. he proved he does. Mm. Um he scores four out of four on his fourth quarter drives to win the game, and Hill scored touchdowns of 48 and 60 yards apiece. It was an incredible performance, topped off with Tua being named AFC Offensive Player of the Week. You know, we were both so hot on the Dolphins before the game. Yeah, um, someone give us credit. And, <laughs> but we were, I, I, when they were down, I, us talking in that group chat, we were like, ah, oh, fuck, mm. what, well, uh, they're getting bummed. Yeah. Lamar's, Lamar's running riot, um... But the Dolphins fought back incredibly. You know, Hill and Model were insane. You know, Hill had 11 receptions for 190 yards, two touchdowns. Waddle, 11 receptions as well for 171 yards and a touchdown. You know, there was questions over how the new offense with, with a new head coach and a rebuilt offensive line would do before the season, but they've, they've gelled from the off. You know, both Hill mm. and Model are capable of getting separation and smart designs by coach Mike McDaniel has really created mismatches and... The offense looks insane. It looks electric. Yeah, it really, really does. Um, and like you say, it started with um, with a kickoff return for a touchdown for the Ravens. Uh, oh, yeah, of course. And um, the Ravens were, were up big all game. It took 28 points in that in that final quarter. But I think uh, one, of, one of the key to the games for me, because this is not a, a typical Ravens performance that you'd normally see. Yeah, sometimes Lamar goes off in the air and through the ground, but normally they'd definitely be able to see out a game like this. Uh, they they just weren't being they they just haven't been able to get the run game going so far. Um, they're own, they're not able to run the ball. Only thirty six rush yards from players other than Lamar in the second half. They in fact only had four non Lamar rushes for minus three yards. And they just couldn't command the possession, even mm. though up three touchdowns. They couldn't bleed the clock. And that, that obviously opens a door for, for Tua's incredible comeback. Like Miami should have been put to the sword this game and, and the the story should have been about Lamar Jackson, MVP candidate. 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, with, with a team like the Ravens being that high up, as you say, you you expect them to see it out. Um, we'll we'll just. I wanted to just go into a bit more analysis and on the Mike Dolphins offense. Mm. Um, you know, and the way you know, Mike McDaniel has come in. Um, they're sort of obviously, as I said, there was question marks before that, but I feel like they've been eradicated. Um. We'll start off, you know, Tua was considered weak at thrown to the middle and he was amongst the worst at doing so in the NFL last season. Mm. Um, but the space created by Hill and Model, like just stretching the play yeah. has, has sort of let, made it a lot easier um, to create that space over the middle. And, you know, you're still getting the, the, the allowing the likes of, of, you know, Gesicki, Edmonds and Raheem Mostert to get involved wow. underneath. Um, they all had um eight reception like combined, not not the highest, but when you've obviously got Waddle and uh, Hill taking up a large proportion of the targets, you know you them, they're still getting involved, you know. Yeah. And Gaziki got a touchdown as well, and also uh, f- fullback Alec Engold has uh, been pretty mm. important as well. Um, McDaniel is he's a former run game coordinator at the Forty Niners. Yeah. Um, oh, you know sick. how heavy, you know the the heavy run game with them, and obviously Engold. Doesn't offer the same as Kyle Juszczyk in, in the passing game, but you know he's still an excellent blocker, and he's also athletic, athletic enough to make the defense wary. Um, and even then, that you know they're going to be worrying about an additional player against against the Dolphins within gold. Uh, you know, unlikely to that of the majority of other NFL offenses. Yeah. So again, it's just making it easier for for Hill and Waddle to get into space. There's so many different facets that defenses have to uh, worry about in that Dolphins offense now. So again, it's just the, the smart play with, by Mike McDaniel has really got that onf- offense ticking from the off. Um, yeah. The only thing is. Uh, is there's some questions about the defense? Mm. Um, they ranked 26th on football outsiders after two weeks, and they ranked 31st in past DVOA, mm. but seventh in the rush. So as you say, they they managed to nullify the rush threat um, from the Ravens. But that they're, they're, they're you know Xavier Howard has uh, not had a great game, uh, a great start to the season, and there are some question marks uh, on that secondary for sure. Yeah, definitely, and the offensive line has definitely been upgraded uh, through Terran Armstead and Connor Williams. Uh, they've done really well yeah. through two games, but they're still weak links on that offensive line. Eichenberg's had a 18.6 pass block grade this year, um, and they've they've got you. They they say they've dispelled all those questions about. Uh, whether they can be an explosive offense or not, I think it'll be so interesting to see them uh, this upcoming week against that Bills D line against Von Miller and Co. Oh, yeah, played sure. so well. I think that's going to be the real test of where this offense is mm. at. So far, like you say, a, a lot of head coaches would just rely on on the speed and the the talent of of Waddle and Hill, but there's so many wrinkles to Mike McDaniel's offense. Um, so many different things are trying out. They spread the ball around like you tried got this interesting fullback thing going on as well so uh, it's uh, gonna be up I, I think they'll be I don't know if they'll compete with the Bills like the Bills are a better team but I think they'll be right up there for the division title till the end of the year I, I think the Dolphins will have enough wins for that I did want yeah, to say yeah, as definitely. well that um, I, I was super impressed with Tua's mindset like, like I said before the the kickoff return uh, to start the game he threw two picks actually in the first half that will get glossed over a little bit but um, he bounced back for, for possibly the best half uh, that we've seen from a quarterback this year. There's loads of pressure on him um, this year to succeed as well. Now, the weapons are there. We've talked about that before. 
So I, I was really impressed with the mindset of Tour and obviously the rest of the team as well. Well, yeah, it was just a clutch performance, you know, as I said at the beginning, you know, scoring four out of four fourth quarter drives to win the game, you know, that's, that's clutch. Yeah. Uh, it is incredible. Um, yeah. You know, and if there have been question marks over Tua, but now he has the weapons and the offense and he can p- produce clutch performances, you know, uh, he setting him up to be, you know, the, live up to the hype of when he was first drafted. Yeah, and he's got this to look back on now. We can draw so much confidence from this. He's got a game with 470 yards. He's got a game where he clutched uh, more than it's even possible to clutch in most situations in that fourth quarter. Like He's got this in the record now. He, he can move on with the confidence and no doubts in his own brain. And, and we could see this, this Dolphins offence really develop into something special. For sure. Well, I'll just quickly look to the, the um, secondary again. Only one safety had a better PFF grade above 50 um, over to, for these two games. Mm-hmm. Uh, or no, the, sorry, against the against the Ravens. Uh, and that was Jevon Holland, uh, 57. And only one player in the secondary has a PFF grade of above 65 after the first two weeks. And that's Kada Kohu, however you say his name, uh, with an 87.3 defensive grade. Zayvon Howard's been disappointing with a grade of just 48.1 so far, 45.7 against the Dolphin, uh, against the Ravens, and just a 41.7 grade in coverage. Um, so I feel like that is definitely going to be some areas which could, re- you know, hinder them. You know, you you've got the yeah. likes of Josh Allen coming up against you in the next mm. in the next game. Um, if it, if it, it, there's going to be too much on tour, he's not going to be able to do that turnaround like he did against the Ravens week in, week out. So that no. defence does have to be strong and give yeah. the platform for, for Tua and the offence to succeed. Yeah, I mean, they're expecting the defence maybe to be to be the better unit, so that will be a real disappointment for them uh, if that trend does continue. But it will make for some really exciting games uh, following the Dolphins, watching the Dolphins this year. Obviously with that high-powered mm. offence and some uh, dodgy secondary play, could see a lot of shootouts and it's fun to see the Dolphins there's so many UK fans who support the Dolphins because of their success however many years ago so um, it's good for us it's good for the UK to see an exciting Miami Dolphins should be great we'll wrap up this with a question to you could Miami get to the Super Bowl yeah definitely I said I highlighted them um, last week as well my week one takeaway is I think uh, you can expect real good things out of this offence and Obviously, it's easy to say after a performance like that, but um, maybe we've seen that AFC is not quite as deep and strong as we thought it was, and I definitely they definitely have enough to make the wild card on both sides of the ball. And then they've got the they've got the offense that can take them on a, a crazy playoff run that that we sort of seen from from the Bengals last year. So yeah, they definitely can. And we all know if they came up against the Bills, uh, the Bills are just bottle jobs Bills when it matters. So. Would undoubtedly bottle that. Um, that playoff game against the Dolphins. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Shall we move on to the Raiders and the Cardinals? Mm, yes, please. You keep going for one really doesn't do anything for you. Murray. Running out of time. On the move. Coming back this way. Dancing and looking and directing traffic. And look at the length of this play. <laughs> Murray no, to the ten, on. to the five, and he's going to convert it. That's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, that is a call for the absolutely ridiculous two-point conversion from, from Kyler Murray. He ran 84 yards, I think it was, on that play. Obviously, the most that any player's run on a, on a two-point conversion before. Uh, if you've not seen it, go watch it on YouTube right now. It's uh, such a ridiculous play, uh, such a fun play to watch, Ash, I'm sure for you as a Cards fan. Oh, it was crazy. I, I couldn't really believe what I was watching, just sitting there. Um, it was quite getting heading towards quite late um, in the UK mm. here. Um, so everyone's in bed, and I'm just on the edge of my edge of my seat. Just ah, uh, it was something else. It really was because he did it like he did it about three or four times in that second half, where he just wriggle free from defenders, break out the sack, and then and then produce a run or the pass at the end of it. I, I can't remember whether it was on that run. I think it might have been or all the touchdown run. It was either his touchdown to tie or one of the two point conversions, but he literally just about escaped a sack from Yasin, I think. And it, I was I was sure, all oh, right, he's down, and I'm like, well, he's still up. It's just it's really unbelievable his athletic ability, his speed. It's just it is really something else. There was one um, a fourth and four in the red zone right at the end of the field where he just he wriggled out of a of a Max Crosby sack, and it was like, how did he get? How did he get through? Maybe there? it was that one. And then, it might have been then, that one. That was actually, I think it was an incompletion, but they they threw a flag on the play. Anyway, uh, let's listen to Kyler Murray's head coach to see what he thinks about his star quarterback. Um, I look at him as like a gift from God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've never seen any quarterback move like that. You know, that's have a quick twitch and make people miss and explosiveness. So, yeah, I mean, I. I think it's just part of the, the whole package, and, and when he's making great decisions on when to run, when to get down, when to throw it away, when to step up in the pocket, you know, that's when we're at our best, and, and he did a great job of that. Um, I look at him as like a, a gift. gift from God. I mean, that is kind of how you feel when you watch that second half performance. But anyway, I'll take you back to the start of the game because um, it was all Raiders in that first half. We started with a 10 minute Raiders touchdown drive, and then the first period from there, the first half was was just pure Las Vegas domination. We only actually had three Cardinals offensive drives in the first half. Punt, punt, interception. And they found themselves 20 nothing down at the break. And Ash, like, what are the thoughts going through your head at that point? Because I, I think Cardinals got me wondering about their season, surely. Oh, uh, no, 100%. You're, you're spot on. Uh, um, I, I think at this point, I, I was still watching it with Ben in the shed. And I literally yeah. said to him, I'm worried. I, I think... I, I was like, we're not, we're gonna, we're gonna have a bad season. Like, yeah, I was literally just thinking, ugly. like, after that week one performance and the start there, not, you know, defense looked like it's slightly improved, but marginally, you know, um, offense couldn't get going. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, like, it's just terrible. But the clutch, the clutch in the second half was pretty incredible. Yeah, 16, only 16 fourth quarter points from the Cardinals in this one. Um, and, and just in that fourth, the fourth period, the fourth quarter, it was just all about Kyler Murray. As we've touched upon, taking the game upon himself, saying, I'm not going to lose this, we're not going to lose this. And he, he just did uh, whatever he had to do. He threw a dime to Marquise Brown on fourth and four. It was a great catch in traffic. Uh, and then as that, that two-point conversion that you heard before, again, go and watch it if you've not seen it. You, if you listen to this podcast, you've probably seen it by now, but so ridiculous. Only he can do that in that situation as well, and it's such a threat to the defense. Their heads must be scrambled when they've got a quarterback who can do that. And then um, they drive down the field, needing, the, needing to score to, to tie it 
fourth and four in the red zone, wriggles free of that Max Crosby sack and, and does ridiculous things again. And then on the final two-point conversion, the final play of the regu- of regular time, he darts it uh, into the end zone. AJ Green is right there. And, and then um, the defense, who obviously had a, a super disappointing first half, uh, cleans the game up for you in the second half with a scoop and a score. Uh, what crazy, crazy game, Ashley. Must have been such a fun one as a Cardinals fan. Talk us through your feelings, that roller coaster of emotions on the in the second half. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, Murray, Kyler, he 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 grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck, you know. Oh, with, definitely. Without without Kyler, with you know, as well as the offense could have performed, as well as the defense could have performed. We were not winning that game if it wasn't for Kyler Murray, and yeah. he, you even see just as you said with that two point conversion for AJ Green, um, the way he was directing traffic in there, like it's his team, it's his offense. Yeah. You can tell in it, and as you say, the, the emotions it was incredible. The the, the 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 lows like the beginning of of the second half. I was sort of watching it. I'm pretty sure we we had a three and out to start um, as well, and I'm thinking, ah, oh, mm. here we go. It's just not even going to improve after the break. Mm. But there was a turning point that you know there was a few drives where you know we 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 were converting, uh, getting those first downs. It almost it was like a little switch. It, it everything just seemed easier. Like yeah, I don't know, like. The momentum, there was sort of a momentum shift without really much happening. It was yeah, quite weird, but all of a sudden I could just see, you know, Kyla was making plays. He was getting, he was scrambling for for the first down. Yeah, you were, you were picking up, uh, he was finding um, Zach Ertz um, for, uh, underneath uh, in the middle and he was getting first downs. You know, it was sort of this, this switch uh, within like the offense. just inside Kyla's head where he just switches yeah. in his head and then he goes, I'm not, fuck it, I'm not losing this bloody game. Yeah, and he, and he just turned it on. Uh, you know, I think I think you've got to give credit to our O line. To be honest, um, you know they came, they contained the threat from Chandler Jones and Max Crosby pretty well. Um, Raiders only had one sack in the game, which is the Crosby one, which we mentioned. Mm. We all know how good he is. Um, but you know, there's clear issues with that Raiders defensive line. Um, Chandler Jones had the lowest defensive PFF grade for for the Raiders of forty one point four. That's got to feel good. Um, but you know, nonetheless, DJ Humphreys, Justin Pugh, and Rodney Hudson all had the highest offensive PFF grades for the Cards on Sunday, bar K one. So that's just proven how good that O line can be, and it's so important, you know, to give Kyler that time in the pocket where he's not having to rush uh, and sort of get out of the pressure constantly. Just giving him that little bit of time because we know how good he is throwing deep balls. Um, I think that's important, and but obviously, you know, the credit has to be given to Kyler. Definitely, yeah. I don't think you can gloss over uh, the defensive side of it, though. Uh, obviously, it was real, real poor yeah. in the first half. But it looks like you made adjustments. Like the matchups seemed all wrong in the first half. There was uh, one, the Darren Waller touchdown. There were just mismatches across the field for the Raiders, and obviously, it's tough. They've got a lot of of really great pass catches now. But obviously, adjustments were made at half time, and then from there, you only conceded three, three more points, and that obviously you can't come back in that sort of fashion. If the defense hadn't stiffened by then, and um, maybe you mentioned the offensive line, and yeah, they're doing they're doing pretty all right for pass blocking, but can they do better in in the run game? Uh, James Conner's not got going; he was seven for twenty five, and, and maybe some of this offensive 
fluidity and, and rhythm could have come earlier in the game if you're able to get set the tone with, with the run game. Yeah, no, I, I do see that, but also I'd take James Connor's performance with a pinch of salt because he did pick up an injury that game, ah. and actually Daryl Williams and Eno yeah, Benjamin, yeah, yeah. Um, if you check out their stats for the game, um, they actually did pretty well. Um, but obviously, you know, in the first half, it, it was clearly stuffed. Um, so, yeah, the, the issue's still there. Um, yeah. But I think perhaps that might be a bit more credit just to the the, the poor uh, Raiders D, to be honest. But going back to our defense, and our, yeah, our defense definitely um, was important. Um, we were overly aggressive against the Chiefs. We blitzed on fifty-one point two percent of their dropbacks and played man coverage forty-one point four percent of the time. But against the Raiders, uh, where we were a bit more conservative, we blitzed just thirty-six point six percent of their dropbacks and played man coverage only twenty-one point three percent of the time. And we also shut down. Uh, Devontae Adams, you know, I don't think that's that can be taken lightly. No, definitely um, not. He made just two catches for twelve yards against yeah, you know huge. Derek Carr against um, you know a team who 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 want to throw who want to throw it a lot. They they didn't utilize Josh Josh Jacobs nearly enough. Um, but Josh McDaniels, um, he 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 wanted to maintain the aggressiveness, but it clearly didn't work. If they just being that aggressive, but somebody like Devontae Adams is only making two catches, mm. there's something wrong there. Yeah, no, But credit. again, credit to the defense yeah. for sure, but also I think, I think there's just issues within the Raiders. Definitely. And we all know that the, we all know the division that they're in. So, you know, they're started owing to could be an ugly season for the Raiders. In fact, it's funny how things can change in just a matter of quarters. The Raid, uh, the Cardinals, sorry, now have the Rams, Panthers, Eagles, and Seahawks before they get DeAndre Hopkins back. Uh, does this give you enough hope, Ash, that that there's enough juice in this offense to see you through to see you through till Hopkins get back and still be in a position to contend? So I, I've been thinking about this, and obviously, it's great that we were able to turn it around. Uh, you know, a comeback like that. Watching that, it's, I'm always going to remember. You know how how great that was. But also, it does worry me that it did take Kyler having to do special things. How I know we all know how good Kyler is, but is it is it going to pay off? You know, there were so many times on fourth down, it was sort of last chance saloon, and Kyler pulled it off. Yeah, but you're not always going to get that. Never, no you're not way. always. It's not going to happen. Like, so to me, that is a cause for concern, really, because you don't want to be relying on. Him having to do special things to win games, obviously you'll take it, but I don't know. I'm still a bit worried, to be honest. Yeah, no, that's completely understandable. The first half is drab on on all accounts. Uh, so I saw someone be... tweet, "We looked like the worst team in the NFL after six quarters." Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely fair enough. And then, really, it was the Kyler Murray show, as we've said. So it's definitely worrying, but all that matters is you get the win out of the bag and. Um, we'll definitely have a lot more answers after Sunday's huge matchup against the Rams. For sure. I do just want to say how important it is that JJ Watt coming back into that team. Um, he hadn't, he'd, he'd last played was when we were 7-0, and and this is the oh, this wow. is his first game back. Wow. Uh, and what a surprise we win. Um, wow, that's so massive. JJ Watt, massive important play. We all know how good he is, but it's not just that. It's his attitude and uh, yeah. what he brings to the team in general I think having him back keeping him healthy will be massive for how our season plays out yeah with Chandler Jones gone he's going to be the focal point of that defense on and off the field so yeah like that seems like it'll be a big key to how 
Cardinal season will go. Move it on to now to the third insane comeback of that Sunday, and the Jets win a game. Two chances to get ten for the Jets. Flacco over the middle, it's caught! Touchdown! Garrett Wilson! This was such a good game. Potentially the, the best game we could have hoped for from uh, Jacoby Brissett and, and Joe Flacco. Um, really, even in the first half and, and most of the way throughout the game, they exchanged touchdowns in that in that first period. Jets get Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson involved. Good signs for them and Robert Seller, of course. Um, uh, and importantly, for the sake of the game, both quarterbacks were steady. Uh, Jacoby Brissett has showed that he can hold the fort until Deshaun comes down. They'll, they'll stay competitive in games. Uh, he's not made too many mistakes so far. And Joe Flacco is 4-0 this year. So, I mean, there might even be an argument. Well, no, there's not because you know, you're going to go nowhere with Joe Flacco. But Joe Flacco might be the Jets' best quarterback this year. Um, and then it's 17-17 in the fourth quarter and, and Nick Chubb rises to the fore and the Browns just start shoving the ball down the Jets' throat. Two dancing touchdowns from uh, from Chubb. Kareem Hunt gets involved as well. But actually, the, the second touchdown came just around the two-minute warning. The second Chubb rushing touchdown, that is. Uh, if he'd have gone down, um, mm. they would have had a first down. The Browns could have seen the clock out and they would have won the game. So they've all admitted themselves after. That's absolutely a mistake. And they actually, in that, that win viz share win probability thing they have on the games as well. It was 99.8% with one, wow. one minute 55 <laughs> remaining. Um, and then the Jets the Jets get the ball. Um, Flacco finds Corey Davis in, in acres of space. Awful coverage. Looks like there's going to be secondary issues galore for the Brown this year, which is a worry for them, obviously. And then you need the onside kick to have any hope. And they get the onside kick. Absolutely insane. They're in the Browns' place as well. Silence that that crowd. Then, third and ten, 22 seconds left. Joe Flacco finds Garrett Wilson in stride uh, to, to put the Jets ahead unbelievably. And Ashton Davis seals the win for the Jets with uh, with the interception. Um so it, that's the um, that's the Jets breaking a streak of thirteen games, uh, lost in September. They've always always get off to bad starts. Always just have miserable seasons. This is such a massive win for them. Robert Sala was taking a little bit of heat as well. And then for the Browns, uh, would have been there for two and zero start since nineteen ninety three, which would have been quite remarkable considering uh, they're not starting the season with their quarterback and it's Jacoby Brissett instead. It was an incredible game. Uh, you've yeah. summed up that you know that well. You know, uh, right at the end there, you, you uh, it hadn't been on red zone for I don't know how long, yeah. and then all of a sudden the Jets are back in the game. I'm like, what has happened here? Like, it, and they um, they showed the point where the Browns were. I think they were thirty seventeen up with two less than two minutes, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. you're thinking, how on earth are they back in that game? It really is incredible, and you know, with with Robert Sala, he said he was keeping receipts after their first one, well, yeah, after their week yeah. one loss. So he's going to be taking in some of those now. Um, uh, it's too early to catch your receipts yet, Robert Sala. Don't do it. No, yet. but he, he he will be he taking will some in at this point. At this yeah, point, yeah. Uh, after you, you that win, you, you'd be a fool not to. I'm, I'm sure there'll be some people saying he won't get any wins. That's and very he was getting true. sacked. That's very true. <laughs> was, but um, no, it, incredible, incredible. Um, 
And obviously, Garrett Wilson, you mentioned how good was he? 102 yards Electric, from eight yeah. receptions, two touchdowns. He got a bit overexcited with his celebrations. I don't know if you've noticed. I don't think I saw it. It looked as though he was sort of screaming in the faces of some like Browns oh. fans. One of them looked like really young. Again, me and Ben were watching it, and we were like, did What's he just scream in like a kid's face? Like, the adrenaline. Just, yeah, it was funny either way. So check that out if you haven't seen it. I um, think that would be good um, for Jets fans, though. They've been missing juice on there. Braxton Berrios was the most like electric player on the offense last year, so <laughs> that is great news for for Jets fans. And, and I don't mind screaming at babies either. If you get if you like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that this was a point. I think this was just his first touchdown, so yeah. it wasn't it wasn't when he'd won. Uh, it wasn't uh, the the game winning touchdown. This guy just hates babies. He he just. He was he was just loving it. It yeah, was just no, it was quite I, I funny like to watch. I like to see him. Um, obviously, I was pretty hot on the Jets uh, throughout the preseason. You love so the Jets. It, it's good to see. I thought after that first thing, I'm like, oh god! I, I said they could even. I, well, I put out that bold take that they'd potentially make the playoffs, and I'm yeah, thinking after that week one win. loss, so I was like, oh my god! So yeah, I needed the win as much as Robert yeah. Salah, really. Yeah, you, you, um, were you screaming <laughs> babies' faces too? That, that's a massive win for you. <laughs> Uh, not quite, not quite. Um, <laughs> but obviously, only been two weeks. But Harry, how many wins do you think the Jets will get this season? Oh, obviously. Well, I was going to say, big, big thing is um, does Zach Wilson come back in and uh, how healthy is he, etc. But I don't know if there's too much difference between the two quarterbacks. Obviously, not the way in, in which Flacco started. Quality, yeah, four and zero against the Browns. Um, 300 yards as well so yeah I don't think about it too much just oh, I will not think about it too much it. five wins I'm, five. I'm not buying on they, they needed mm. you need an onside kick to win this I think I think five wins and Robert Seller keeps his job just about mm, interesting interesting what about you you think they win um, the Super Bowl now eh <laughs> no um I think I think they might I think they might get like seven and I think they they might be on the verge might be teetering an outside mm. chance of a of a wild card. I wouldn't maybe. mind seeing it. I, I like seeing different teams doing well, whatever. And God knows that they've been sh- shit for so long. It'd be it'd be interesting to see what happens when Wilson's fit. You know, will, will will Wilson play? Will Flacco play? How how good will Wilson be? How long will he get if he does come back in straight away? If they start performing poorly after two or three weeks, will he go back to Flacco? Some interesting storylines to look at there, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. And Salah, Salah might be losing his head a little bit already. Like he's desperate for wins. I can see him keeping Flacco Flacco in if he has another couple of games like this. Yeah, definitely. Um. Just got the win playing, you know, four touchdowns for throwing for over 300 yards. Just kind of hard to drop him, really. Absolutely. Shall we move on to a a game unlike these three? Not a not as big of a comeback. We, um, but I wanted to bring it in because I think it's such a massive result in the NFC uh, and because the box won. And I think it was such a good game, such an intriguing game with the fights no. and the, the late quarter com- uh, comeback as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you did pick it because um, obviously looking at it at the time um, and also just sort of the talk around it afterwards, there's actually a lot of different talking points that yeah, we can get through definitely. in this game. So, See you again. Both backers on the edge showing brilliance. It's blocked. Brady 
looking, firing, going deep for the end zone. It's caught for the touchdown. Rashad Perriman. That was Rashad Perriman with a go-ahead touchdown for the Buccaneers. Wide receiver core looking very thin right now. Mike Evans was ejected, so Brady making it work with the likes of Rashad Perriman again. Mm, for sure, and as you said earlier, Brady finally got one over the Saints. Let's go. Um, after losing all four previous regular season games mm. against the Saints as a buck. Yeah. Uh, obviously had that win in the playoffs, um, but that's just Tom Brady being clutch as always. Um, obviously, a tightly contested matchup as both offences failed to get going for most of the game. The score was 3-3 at the start of the fourth quarter yeah, wow. until Tom Brady linked up with Perriman for that touchdown like we just heard. Um, again, uh, I think that you've got the focus has to be on that impressive defensive performance now. That's that's two weeks where the defence has looked unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, they recorded six sacks, five takeaways, um, and former Bucks QB Jameis Winston was intercepted three times. Devin White had some pretty interesting stuff to say about his former teammate as well, saying yes, I love he's that. 50-50, you know, pretty much belittling his ability in a way, sort of saying we're not too worried about him. He might throw he might throw a big play, but he's also going to throw picks. Um, See, I think and he also kind of, he explained it, uh, and I, he definitely I don't think he was trying to throw shade, even though that's, no, that's something you can see Devin White doing. But he was just telling the truth. He was like. He's yeah, been my yeah. quarterback. He's been our quarterback. We've seen what he does in the fourth quarter under pressure. We knew we knew we were going to get opportunities, and they made the most of them. He just no, spitting he, facts. He's right. His old horse boy. I, 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 he said that as well. He literally said um, he wasn't trying to, you know, cause any beef or anything. It, it was just saying facts, and you know that's clear. He, he knew the Saints sort of had to go for it after that touchdown to to Perriman. So, and what that was where the pick started coming in. Yeah. So. Also, the tempers flared in that game. Oh, yes, let's uh, which go. Which led to that massive brawl between the two teams. Brawl. Yeah, uh, it was pretty exciting. Obviously, Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore were both ejected, and Tom Brady was at it all, all at the he center. Started, he was. He's Tom Brady is just he's, he's always it it, yeah. in the headlines. That's, yeah, there's a theory that that Brady <laughs> wanted that to happen. Like he was, he was getting right in their face. He was obviously emotional the whole game, but he, he, really he was, was chirping. He was getting in the face, and like. That, that can't happen. If Tom Brady's a quarterback, you can't see that happening. Lenny, uh, Leonard Fournette got involved as well. He got pushed. Then Mike Evans yeah. saw someone in Brady's face, and he's like, I can't have this. <laughs> so like, like, maybe, maybe Brady, because that's when the points started coming, maybe yeah. Brady wanted to fire him up. or I, I just think he was so angry at that point that like, he was just like, come on. He, he might have wanted to use that as sort of a bit of... You know, yeah, you're getting that, that angry, just that little brawl that's going to like, really get the boys up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was. Um, you know, Brady threw a tablet in the bench area. He was clearly yeah, he frustrated. he really threw that tablet. Yeah, he really did. You know, there was there was drops, um, you know, and they, they failed to convert on multiple first downs. And it's not even really Tom Brady. Tom Brady played well. Uh, did, PFF grades. Uh, he's, you know, very good passing grade. I think he's got the third highest passing PFF grade um, to start the season. There you go. There you go. Um, you know, but maybe he was. He wanted to get. La, la, he, I think Lattimore had been chirping all game, so m maybe he wanted to try and get Lattimore ejected, something like that. And y you saw how key that was. You know, the Saints were then without their top two cornerbacks because Paul Paulson Adebo was out for the game due to an ankle injury, and then Brady took control from then on. You know, he launched that incredible pass to Perriman, and wow. you know, you can clearly see how 
clutch he is still. But obviously, Harry, I'm, tell I'm, us your feelings as a Bucks fan when Brady threw that touchdown pass. Oh, I um, I was at work. I didn't happen to watch it um as I was working as well, so I had my computer set up. But um, and the first half was so. Like you say, it was 3-3 going into the fourth quarter. We couldn't get anything done. It was so frustrating to watch on one side of the ball. And then it was sort of like the frustration was building. Obviously, it's a big rivalry. And then the the fight happens and you start getting so into it and so emotional because we've not beaten (laughs) the Saints in in four regular season games. This is Jameis Winston as well. And you're like, has a bloody (laughs) eye surgery made him good? Is he going to absolutely dominate us right now? Like there's so He's much. Eat that dub. Yeah. Eat that w. No, I do not want to be seeing that. The Saints fans are kind of unbearable on on Twitter and, <laughs> and Reddit, etc. So it was like I was so desperate for us to win, and then obviously Evans is out of the game by that point. Our backs are against the wall, and Brady shows off his arm strength. Strength shows off that. What a pass! Stream. What a yeah, pass! What a body I, was, pass. I remember sitting there watching it. It was just. It just sailed perfectly. Like it was just. It, I remember looking at it. I was like, "Oh my god!" It's ridiculous. Like, it was incredible. Because Perriman only got a, like a little bit of separation right into the end zone as well. It was. Um. It was a thing of beauty. Rashad Perriman's done it before in a big moment. Uh. He won in overtime against the Bills with like a forty-yard run and grab or, or something like that. So it was just such an emotional game as a as a fan and uh, talking to other Bucks fans as well. Like. There's not many been many regular season wins that have felt better than that for me as a Bucks fan. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Being your rivals, the Saints like that, uh, in that manner, after all of the different factors we just said, pretty, pretty insane. We'll go back to that defense again, and particularly yeah. the secondary impressed that secondary. here. Mm. Mm. Poor secondary last year. Well, maybe not poor, but injury issues. Up, yeah. And yeah, actually, still up. underrated. With we, They give up points, but like PFF grades and their play actually wasn't too bad, considering. Mm. But uh, this year, they've got the highest graded um, unit, according to PFF, at 85.4. And, you know, it's clear to see how good it is. Uh, corner Jamal Dean had two interceptions, whilst Mike Edwards had one as well. Edwards had a 93.2 PFF grade for the match, whilst Dean had an 84.6 grade. Things are looking very, very good on that defense. Um, but the defensive tackle, AKM Hicks, has suffered an injury, and he'll be yeah. out for about a month. Uh, there's a lot of injuries, obviously, on that Bucks, especially in the receiver room. You know, the likes of Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Russell Gage, all getting banged up. Mike Evans is also currently facing a one-match suspension. Um... Obviously, Perriman's come in, got the TD, so he's proven he can do something. And you've also signed Cole Beasley, who I think will be a solid pickup. Definitely. Um, and obviously, there have been issues with drops to start the campaign, with six different bucks having dropped so far after two weeks. Um, so there are issues there. So I was going to ask you a couple of questions. How concerned are you about the injuries across the board going forward? Uh, and obviously, the pre-existing injuries to the O-line as well, you've got to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, and also... It was a good win against the Saints, and they are a well-drilled team. But against a better opposition, could you struggle? You know, especially, um, with, with, you know, with if these injuries at receiver continue. Yeah, there's um, it's been a real tough first two weeks for the Buccaneers. There's been plenty of adversity. Um, so many O-line injuries. We had our third string left tackle in for that second half. Brandon Walton. He had no sacks and no hurries. By the way, that that O-line obviously. Um, Kappa going, uh, Marpet retiring, Ryan Jensen, that injury as well. Um, it's actually holding up really well. It looks like we should get Donovan Smith back before too long. So 
I think with Brady there and off offensive line coaching and, and the pieces we have got there already, unless there's further disaster, I'm not going to be too worried about that O-line. I think they'll they'll mesh with um, with Brady absolutely fine. The drops is concerning, but that is, is that just a product of offence not playing with each other too much in preseason? And obviously the fact that you're, that you're relying on your, your wide receivers lower down on the depth chart because of the injuries and whatever. Uh, it. Chris Godwin's not out for the season. We've just brought in Cole Beasley. I, I think Brady's not going to let that um, let those drops continue for the whole season. He'll go fucking insane if he does. You saw him on the sideline <laughs> against the Saints. Uh, I think we'll see improvement there. I do kind of worry about the defensive line because, it, again, there's much change there. It's got a lot younger. but um, And the Hicks is now out, obviously. But I think between... Um, between the, play, the pieces we do have, Joe Tryon's had a, a decent start to the season and a secondary, which has been like young and promising for a few years now. They all seem to be exploding and that's an elite secondary that's, that's going to keep us in games. And if we kept in games, we've got enough weapons and we've got Tom, Buddy, Brady. Yeah, so we, we're going to carry on winning games. Our, our schedule's so tough, but I, I think we're, we are the, um, the NFC favourites right now. We, we definitely should be the NFC powerhouse. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that defense is important, and with how good that D is, you know, you always, with especially with Tom Brady as the quarterback, you're always gonna think that the Bucks are gonna be in games no matter what. Um, the only thing is, you know, coming against, you know, perhaps more elite players, you know, you know, how are you gonna deal with against the likes of Lamar? Um, you know how good the Rams offense last was last year. Obviously, the Packers up next with Rodgers. Um, you know, the, even against Kyler um, later on. Um, how, how you know is that? Are you worried at all, or are uh, you are you confident either way? I I think the key is is trying to be as healthy as possible. Obviously, if the injuries keep keep piling up or whatever, it becomes really tough. But um, I I think we're good in all all three phases. I think uh, we've got a. An elite pass rusher in Shaq Barrett, like I've just talked about the secondary, and what we've somehow not mentioned is the probably the best linebacker duo in the league in in Devon White and Levante David. Um, Devon White's only been two games, but it looks like he's improved in coverage, and they've both um, they've each had a sack uh, or two so far this year already. So I think there's there's more than enough pieces and talent on that defensive side. Not to mention we've got Todd Bowles, who is a really great defensive head coach. Um, I think we're going to be absolutely fine for this division, certainly, but also for the for the number one seed in the NFC. We've we've seen a few disappointing displays from the likes of the the Packers and the Rams so far already this season. Mm, uh, the interesting one for me, Week Four, you've got the Chiefs. How yeah. will that secondary? What will that do against Mahomes and that, well, that Chiefs offense? Um, I mean, very intrigued to see how that plays out. Yeah, obviously it's hard not to be high on the Chiefs right now. I think that's going to be such a such a cracking game. The key is um, what wide receivers have we got available, um, and um, can the offense find a bit more rhythm? Because our secondary will slow them down definitely, and, and they've got no Tyreek Hill now, obviously, but they've been finding ways to still be so efficient in the air and looking better on the ground with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Clyde Edwards Hilaire now. So. Um, I, I think it's going to be a really close, really tight game. I think it could go either way. It could be a, a shootout or the the secondaries could keep it interesting because we've seen good things from them so far. So I, I kind of hope that game's on prime time. I'm not sure, but uh, I think that, that'll be our biggest test of, of the whole year. Yeah, that is the late game on 
Sunday on the Sunday, I believe. That's great news. Great. No, news. sorry. Yeah, late game on the Sunday. Yep. Um, I believe that is so. Sunday night football, week four, Bucks Chiefs, definitely a big boy. Should be massive if us three and O teams going against each other. Obviously, it's the Super Bowl Fifty Five rematch, but will it be the Super Bowl Fifty Eight um, game Ooh. as well? I think Reese has something to say about that. Um, well, he loves the Chiefs anyway, so it's probably. Oh yeah, want. he'll be happy either way, won't he? <laughs> um, <laughs> Right, so we will conclude the episode there. It's been really fun to talk about though that wild weekend we've just had. Such an emotional game in the Bucks game and then the awesome comebacks. Let's hope for more of it next week. Just before we go, Ash, I want to ask, what matchup are you most excited for in week three? Well, there is the Bucks versus the Packers, Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, but I've had mm. enough of the old guys. I've had enough Fine. of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm looking to two of the younger guys, mm. the upcoming elite QBs. The Dolphins against the Bills, Tua versus Ooh, Josh Allen. I think that's going to be a cracker. Of course. Divisional game as well. Two exactly. 2-0 sides. Yeah, that's going to be uh, that's going to be a thrilling game. We'll, um, we'll see if Tua and Co. can keep up against that impressive Bills defense. Right, it's been a great episode, guys. We'll talk to you next week. See you later. Goodbye. <laughs>